Hello, welcome back to Channel Orange. This is episode 12. Thanks for tuning in this week. It's going to be another brilliant one, I think, because in my opinion, at least, The Guardian is stepping things up for now. Um, for the second week in a row, I've quite liked the album they picked. From Maddie, it doesn't seem mm, she was the same. Certainly not this week. Um, but I think I'll explain the show briefly, just uh, for anyone who's listening for the first time. So we listened to The Guardian's album of the week, as picked by the critic Alexis Petridis. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we pick an album... Um, from you know any time theirs has got to be a new one usually um and basically our guest comes on and we listen to a few songs and they pick which one's better um yeah so this week uh the album we chose is chelsea girl by nico i actually i really enjoyed it um we haven't actually picked like a quite old album we've kind of done more recent albums so this that was quite an interesting pick and then the oldest one we've done it is yeah i think um 1967 um, and then The Guardian has picked uh, Carnage by Nick Cage and Warren Ellis, which was, um, I mean, I'll save my comments for now. But yeah. uh, And our guest today is uh, George Brindley, um, who goes to Edinburgh. Um, so he's, I think, is he, he must be our first guest from a different uni. A competitive uh, uni. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, he's also known to many as Dog. So if George Brindley didn't ring a bell, then that may. Um <laughs> Did you like the album, George? We'll go with Chelsea Girl first. What did you think? I mean, so my thoughts on this were sort of, I would have to say, mixed. Um, I thought the songs were really nicely written. Um, I don't know whether she, she wrote them herself or not. I'm afraid I don't know that. Um, I think it's the album started off very nicely. Like, I think the song uh, Fairest of the Seasons, I think, is the first one. I thought that was really lovely. I really liked that. Um, it, as the album progressed a bit, I, I feel like it's quite a superficial comment to make, but her voice really is... I'm not crazy about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's the thing. A lot of people have a problem with that. And I have to say, the first time I heard some of her songs, it was unusual for me as well. Mm. But for me... But I, no, I think you're drawn to how terrible her yeah, voice is. Yeah, I, quite... I sort of enjoy when artists have an unusual voice. And I think okay. as long as you can eventually get into it... Like, I would say even with Joy Division, the first time I heard them, I found Ian Curtis's voice really irritating. And eventually... That's fair, yeah. So for me, with Nico, it doesn't bother and me. And I don't even know if it's her voice, but, like, the German accent really mm. comes through. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it, it, it is unusual, and I feel like... I mean, was she, was she worked with, was it Velvet Underground? Yeah, yeah, she worked, yeah. She worked with an like, incredible amount of artists, actually. Mm. Like, I, I was doing... I mean, I knew already about um, Velvet Underground. As you said, some of the songs in that album were written by others. I think it's about, like, a 50-50 ratio. I think she wrote slightly okay. more than 50%. Um, so, like, there's a song in there by Bob Dylan. Um, that, okay. That was... Um, uh, what song is it? Uh, I'll keep it with mine. Um, mm. And then um, she did a single with Brian Jones and the Rolling Stones. Um, the B side of that was produced by Jimmy Page from Zeppelin, which is crazy. Oh wow! Um, and then she, apparently she lived with Jim Morrison and with John Cooper Clark. No, she's she's had a crazy life. Yeah. 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 She also she wrote a song with um, Patti Smith. Oh really? So. Mm-hmm. And is was friends with Andy Warhol. Star studded. <laughs> so. yeah. And she did a music video with Iggy Pop as well, which yeah. is just you know, I mean, it's impressive. And that's kind of why I thought it'd be an interesting album to do because mm. it's rare to find an album which you know we would have even heard of to put on the show from as long ago as nineteen sixty seven, but which is still kind of underappreciated because normally by now, if it's good, you know, everyone knows. So maybe it's not a good album, but <laughs> you know, I think, I think, kind of considering like the people she's worked with and the support she had from, you know, Andy Warhol and the Velvet Underground, it's surprising it hasn't been kind of praised more. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I think that's um, sort of, I mean, I, I'm, I'm drawing this a bit back to the voice critique, but um, I feel like that voice, it's, it's one that would complement another more standard voice and make it quite interesting. It's just, I don't know if it works so well in isolation. Right, mm-hmm. right. So maybe that makes sense why, you know, The Velvet Underground and Nico, the album, yeah. is so praised. She's a strong feature, but not yeah. Yeah. a solo. Yeah. No, because I, I think especially um, the ones I, I that come to mind were Winter Song and Somewhere There's a Feather that were both, I thought, beautiful instrumentally. Um, yeah, yeah. No, Somewhere There's a Feather is one of my favourites. And well-written, but I feel like it would be... 
I mean, I feel like Bob Dylan's been mentioned already. We might have to start a Bob Dylan tally. But <laughs> it's like Bob Dylan in that it's sort of... I feel as though someone else could really sell the song better. Yes. Yeah, um, that makes sense. Yeah, I know what you, I know what you mean, but I, I sort of think... Kind of, I definitely agree she would have been more popular if her songs were executed by someone with a more powerful voice. But I do find the voice kind of... It, it makes her sound very different to everyone else. Mm. And it is. It's super new. Um, yeah. And actually, I meant to mention, um, I, I, I yeah. already knew they influenced, uh, she influenced The Cure, but I found out today she influenced Morrissey, Elliot Smith, Joy Division and Bjork as well, which Jeez. I thought would appeal to you. Um, That's really interesting. No, because I had actually... So, sorry, I've actually... This is the first time in my life I've listened to, mu- I've listened to music and taken notes. <laughs> um but there is one little sort of like vocal line in Fairest of the Seasons mm. that reminds me a lot of uh, This Charming Man. Oh, really? And I'd actually written that down, yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I, was, I was thought I, would, I might make that comment, but I was worried that you would uh, no, no. just say that's, that's reflective of my obsession <laughs> with the Smiths. Yeah, I might also but, say that anyway, but I think, I think yeah, no, it fair, is fair. apparently... Um, you know, yeah, a big influence on them. I, I, I think I, I couldn't point pinpoint it as well as you have there. Um, but I see what yeah, you n- mean. Now I want to re-listen to all of them. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. Um, should we play a song? I think you know. I think we should play is based on the comment you made, George, about um, how she may be better as a kind of supplementary vocalist instead of as her own kind of solo mm. artist. I think before we get started in the album, maybe we should play "Sunday Morning" by yeah. The Velvet Underground, which she does backing vocals for. Um, because I think that's kind of more powerful and once you've enjoyed that it may be easier to approach the <laughs> album um, so yeah let's listen to Sunday Morning by The Velvet Underground with Nico singing in the background um, and I believe she helped uh, compose this as well um, so yeah here's Sunday Morning Sunday morning brings the dawn in it's just a restless feeling by my side Early dawning Sunday morning It's just the wasted years so close behind Watch out, the world's behind always someone around you who will call it's nothing at all Sunday morning and I'm falling I've got a feeling I don't want to know Someone 
that was Sunday Morning by Velvet Underground and Nico. Um, I think it was Andy Warhol actually basically told the Velvet Underground they had to have her on the album, um, which they weren't too keen on. Um, they thought she was talented, but apparently she was really uh, weird and annoying. Well, I was about to say, she's a huge druggie. Yeah. Like, super yeah. Well, addicted Velvet to heroin. Underground well. <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, apparently she had a ritual where she'd try and burn an entire candle before every show, or she'd refuse to perform. Um, and Lou Reed got really sick of her and basically said he didn't want to work with her again. Oh, um, but it's, you know, become a kind of really critically acclaimed album, although at the time it wasn't popular. I mean, Andy Warhol's quite weird as well. I think, yeah. yeah. Um, but I don't know what you think of this, George. I, I kind of think part of the reason um, that people have kind of cast her aside a bit is a sort of sexist thing in that she began as a model. Um, and was, was often yeah. seen as a kind of muse to Velvet Underground instead of like a collaborator. Um, and I think a lot of the time back in like the 60s and 70s, like really talented female artists would kind of just be seen as like a muse or, you know, um, a sex symbol instead of as a talented musician. Uh, and I think even up to the 90s, like people still kind of see Courtney Love as Kurt Cobain's wife instead of, you know, the mm. talented musician um, from uh, her band Hole. Um, so I don't know what you think about that. Maybe that doesn't apply in that case, but... No, I think I think that is definitely a, a fair critique to make. I think um, once somebody becomes known for their looks, uh, it's quite diff- difficult to branch out from that. Um, you know, I know that there's a, you know, people say just a pretty face. And I think right. once you become known as just a pretty face, if you will, it is hard to branch out from there. But I think that's... Yeah, you're right in that that's far more of an issue for women. Um, right, so, yeah, yeah, no, I think... I mean, I wasn't aware that she'd been a model before, but mm-hmm. no, that would certainly go some way to explain it, I think, yeah. I also... I do think that, like, people that are famous before they release music, people think yeah. of their music... Like, they're not actually musically talented, they're just talented for something yeah. else, and they're using that fame to popularise yeah, their music. Yeah, gimmicky or something like that, yeah. Exactly, no, yeah. yeah. It's the like, same with our filthy Frank and... Uh, <laughs> God, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly the um, same. No, no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that should have been the comparison. That should have been the comparison. I refused to listen to his music for a bit because I was like, you know, that's there's no way this is going to be any good. Like, it is so easy to dismiss people just because yeah. they've done something else. I mean, I'd say it was a fair dismissal with Filthy Frank. He had his chance to show people, you know, who he was, and he showed something <laughs> truly uh, horrific. But then, but then we have the 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 incredible, we have the incredible musical talent of William Shatner. <laughs> which would never have reached the world had he been written off as purely an actor. So. <laughs> oh my gosh. Who's Please to say? nobody take that as a recommendation. Nobody go listen yeah, no, to that. Yeah, no, that even, even by my standards, I would not recommend <laughs> William Shatner. I do think, I do think kind of, although she may have been written off, it does feel like she's having a sort of renaissance. Um, Wes Anderson, who's kind of, you know, uh, an increasingly popular director included two of the songs from this on on uh, his film Royal Tenenbaums. Again, um, a, another weird person. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, she always saw herself as pretty bohemian. I think her music mm. continues to be applied like that. But yeah, it was these days and Ferris the Seasons um, was in that film. Um, these days is kind of like the anthem of the film. Really, it comes on once uh, a couple times. Um, so I hope you know it'll become more appreciated. Maybe this podcast will be the the moment mm-hmm. that changes it. <laughs> Um, Do you have a least favourite song, George? Ooh, that's tough. That is tough. Um, <laughs> a lot of choice. I mean, I'm assuming you mean f- from the album rather than across music. It goes without saying it's a William Shatner song. If it's, <laughs> oh, general, no. for the if, it's album. if it's in general, yes, it goes without saying. Um, For me, it has to be... I mean, I know you said it's one of your favourites, Sam, but for me, Somewhere There's a Feather... Really? It's the, it's the disappointment of it. It's the fact that it's... I feel like it could be so much better. Um, like, there's just, like... Every time I listen to it, there's sort of, like, a slightly lingering sense of... Um, yeah, that it's sort of, like, the listener is being... Almost, like, denied the song's full potential... Okay, um, that makes sense, yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. I guess for me then, I, I kind of... Like, I also feel that, but it was more... I, I can still appreciate it because it's still good. You know, it didn't bother me that it could have been better. Um, mm. 
because I guess as well, I'm, I, I do like her voice, but yeah, um, that's interesting. That's interesting. And so you wouldn't say, because um, I was expecting you to say it was a pleasure then, um, just because it's so weird and experimental. That's the like seven or eight minute long one. Mm-mm. I, I just feel like that is, it's weird, but it almost suits her. Um, yeah, right. There isn't that sort of clash between a slightly weird voice and a very pretty instrumental. Mm-hmm. Um, it was. It's what you would expect from her voice. Yes, some yeah, weird experimental of, thing. Yeah. I mean, it feels a bit derogatory to say that when it's weird across the park, it's sort of you don't get that sort of clash. But it's yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah I know what you mean. Yeah. Hmm. And you were saying uh, Ferris the season was your favorite, or is there one you prefer to that? I'd say Ferris of the seasons is my yeah. is my favorite. Yeah. Well, I'd say for me as well, um, I mean, my top three are probably uh, Somewhere There's a Feather these days in Ferris of the Seasons. So I'm, I'm happy to play Ferris of the Seasons now. Yeah. Um, sure. So, yeah, no, we'll, we'll have a go on that. Um, we'll see if you feel the same um, about, you know, the potential of the song. Um, but I think I think this one, she kind of executes one of the best uh, out of the album. So, yeah, uh, this is Ferris of the Seasons by Nico. Now that I finally found the one thing I deny 
It's now I know But do I stay or do I go And it is finally I decide That I be leaving in the fairest of the seasons That was Ferris the Seasons by Nico. Um, George, what did you think of uh, These Days? Because that's the one that kind of is most well-known by her. Um, that's the one you first showed me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was kind of what got me into her. I mean, I feel like it's, it's... I like it, and I can see why it would be cinematic. Mm. Um, like, you know, there is a sort of a very clear... I don't, I, I don't know the word for it, but there's almost like a very clear scene behind it. Yeah. Whereas... I feel like it's almost like it's in the middle of her sort of... If you were to draw a spectrum of her... Well, of the album, at least. I feel like it's almost in the middle between the conventional and the weird. Um, so maybe it's quite a good sort of sample song. Um, yeah. But no, it does... It, I think it, it's, it's a good choice for a film. It does have that cinematic quality to it. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say it's kind of like main character background music. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Mm. Um, I found out something horrifying about that song though today, which I think kind of, oh, no. it does, <laughs> it does kind of testify to the, the kind of exceptionally palatable, um, quality of the song compared to some of the other stuff, um, that Drake covered it apparently, oh, you're um, which is really oh, no. weird and I don't like, but it does say something about it. I mean, I couldn't imagine him covering it was a pleasure then. Um, I didn't know what to make of that. Um, but I didn't listen to it. Yeah, I was say, <laughs> let, 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 let's not play that one. Yeah, uh, I know, let's not. Um, <laughs> listen to it on your own time. <laughs> we'll, we'll listen to Nico's version, though, I think, because um, mm-hmm. that is probably my favourite. Um, it was definitely my favourite when I first when I first tried it out. Um, Maddie, is it yours? or? It was, yeah, it is yeah. my favourite. Um, so, yeah, we'll listen to that. I feel like most people who listen to the album for the first time will prefer it. Um, so this is These Days.
hundred and cornerstones and count the time and quarter turns to ten. Please don't confront me with my That was These Days by Nico. Um, definitely the most famous song on the album. Um, and I think if you listen to that, you can kind of see, uh, you know, wh why she would work on a Velvet Underground record and why I'm saying she's underrated. Um, I kind of found it uh, tragic listening to, uh, you know, really listening in detail to the lyrics on Chelsea Girl. Um, there's a lyric that kind of jumped out at me as kind of the representation of this thing I'm talking about of her you know, just being seen as a muse or a model and not as a musician her own right. I think it was, um, had my future taken from me in someone else's past. It's kind of, she's just, her, her future as a successful musician has been kind of killed off by the fact that she's just associated with, oh, that person, that girl mm -hmm. who used to be a model and worked yeah. with Velvet Underground. Mm. Um, but yeah, um, I don't think we have time to play any more from that. Um, if you if you really like it, I would recommend listening to the rest of the album, um, especially all the way through. It is an experience to listen to. Um, also, re read about her because I think she's quite an she interesting, interesting person. Yeah, she's yeah. An interesting yeah I, I certainly will. Mm -hmm. um, and um, we'll move on to Nick Cave's album now, Carnage, uh, which he did with Warren Ellis, uh, who he's worked with lots before in The Bad Seeds and uh, mm -hmm. Grinder Man. But this is the first time I believe that he's done a non-film soundtrack album just with Warren Ellis. I don't know what the other guys in the Bad Seeds did to did to deserve this, but <laughs> I know, you know, I know, it's, I'm uh, surprised. Feels it may have personal. Been, it may have been a pandemic thing. Yeah, that that's can... what I think. That's what they said in the Guardian that it was a pandemic thing. That, that, that would explain the, it. That would yeah, explain Yeah, the Bad Seeds it. apart from them or something. Well, did did it work for you, George? I mean, would you do you prefer it to the Bad Seeds records, or do you think it's a step down from what he usually does? I mean, honestly, I'm not. I was not that familiar with Nick Cave coming into okay. this. It's sort of. I knew the name, obviously, and I knew the reputation, but mm. I wouldn't say I was familiar with that much of his music. I, yeah. I like, you know, I knew the reputation, so I expected sort of like gloom, darkness, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. all the good stuff. Um, right. And yeah, no, I found at least the first sort of three songs from it. So that's mm. Hand of God, Old Time and Carnage. Right. were very much in line with what I was expecting. It's sort of... Yeah. I don't know if I would... I mean, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get the nuance across here, but <laughs> I don't know if I would say I enjoyed listening to it, but it was a real experience. Like, it is it a real kept me, yeah. Yeah, it sort of kept me on the edge of my seat because it's sort of like just as soon as you think you know which way a melody's going, it takes this sort of discordant turn. It was and, really volatile, wasn't it? Yeah. So I yeah, just felt so anxious it's... the whole time. I was like, I don't know what's going to happen next. I'm just on edge, hating it exactly, the whole thing. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, even if it's not sort of something I would listen to to relax, it's certain, mm. It's definitely, it's thrilling as an experience. Right, um, yeah. Yeah. The thing is, I, I, I knew you kind of, you know, he wasn't one of your favourite artists, but I, I did expect you to know you know, a little bit more of him, because I kind of, I guess I thought, you know, he sounds like stuff you listen to, and there's the deep mm. voice, the kind of Leonard Cohen-y kind of thing, and then yeah, yeah. a lot of focus on lyrics, which I know you like. Um, yeah, it's just, it's always been a hole in my knowledge, but it's sort mm. of, I felt like I knew, I know enough just about him in general, right? to sort of have some expectations coming into it. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I've always tried to get into him. I, I listened through, um, what are the albums? Let Love In and The Boatman's Call. I listened all the way through mm. and I've listened to a, mm. a couple other songs by him, which are, you know, people have said are good. Um, and I've never liked him as much as I expected to. Um, but I do re I do enjoy his songs. I mean, Into Your Arms is a great song. Um, mm. But I, I have to say, I quite enjoyed this album. Um, yeah. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't you like it, Maddie? I, well... Okay, so the first concert I ever went to, my dad took me to Leonard Cohen when yeah. I was like six, right? Wow. So it was three hours of Leonard Cohen when I was six, <laughs> oh, and I yeah. think I just got post-traumatic stress from that. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's dense for anyone. <laughs> exactly. Oh, God. Mm. And this kind of gave you, you know, rehashed all the old songs. <laughs> yeah, I was getting flashbacks. Yeah. Sweating. Fair enough. No, I, I, mean... I, could, I could very much see that. I could see a Leonard <laughs> Cohen comparison. Right. Um, would would I mean... you say Would you say you enjoyed it, or would that... I mean, it sounds like I that would, would be the wrong word. 
I would say towards... I feel like it's an album really of two halves. I mean, I feel like White, yeah. White Elephant is this almost like turning point. It switches um, halfway through, doesn't it? Yeah, White Elephant yeah. I didn't really enjoy as a song mm. because I thought it had this sort of like unnecessary and sort of unrelated, like almost like pulsating bass through it. Yeah, which is yeah. Just, just a bit distracting. I know, me. yeah. Well, like Warren um, Ellis who did all of the like... Beats, yeah, right? well, it's crazy. He he did eleven different instruments on the album. Jesus, um, <laughs> blimey. Yeah, no, including some weird one, auto, auto harp, which I'm not sure what that is, but um, that doesn't sound like something you'd have to play. It sounds like something it would it would do yeah, by itself. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, obviously Nick Cave, I think, does you know piano, percussion, and singing. Um, mm. But yeah, no, that was that was odd in that. Um, it suddenly. I w- maybe suddenly uh, yeah I felt like it suddenly got political if I'm honest um, okay. it was a political song and it hadn't been political so far on the album yeah um, and it was kind of dark with I, I think the phrase <laughs> I've just noticed the phrase I used to describe it was ridiculous bass as the, <laughs> as the pulsing um, <laughs> I think that, that's that's the word I was looking for it just yeah. didn't come to me yeah um, and I think the problem is it kind of it, it was trying to do so many things it was trying to be serious about uh the political issues going on in America. I mean, it spoke about kind of your your knee on someone's neck. Um, yeah. But then it went into these kind of absurd, jokey lyrics. I wrote down, I'm a Botticelli Venus with a penis, which was <laughs> came right after the, like, really Ridiculous. heartfelt yeah. reference to George Floyd. Oh, God. Um, I mean, I, I, like, I've, I've, I'm really trying not to mention The National, but <laughs> it really reminded me a lot of, you know, Turtleneck? Yeah. From Sleep Well Beast? Right. That sort of same, that really like frenetic, busy sound, mm, mm. with the sort of quite meaningful lyrics, but also sort of some lines about Donald Trump tweeting from his toilet. Yeah, it's sort yeah, of like, exactly. yeah, yeah. It, it, that was that was the comparison that jumped out to me, and mm. I don't know. Turtleneck has been one of my least favorite national oh, really? songs, um, but yeah. Mm. Well, I think kind of I was trying to interpret a lot of the album in terms of the pandemic because I have a quote. Um, Nick Cave, he said it. The album's supposed to be a brutal but beautiful record embedded in a communal catastrophe. And a lot of the, a lot of you know, Rolling Stone, Enemy, all talked a lot about the pandemic when reviewing the album. And I mm. thought maybe what he's trying to do there is there is this sense of twenty twenty kind of being this mix of like absurdity and horror in the same yes. place. And that song kind of encapsulated that. You know, there's these absurd li- lyrics with the ridiculous bass in the background, but then these you know really horrific lyrics. Um, Sorry, not lyrics, kind of... Yeah, no, horrific lyrics at the beginning, at least. Um, and then there's this choir that comes in um, uh, in the second half of the song. So I think maybe it's trying to represent I mean, kind of the confusion. I was going to say, like, is it mirror- mirroring how, like, yeah, like, confusing mm. and unpredictable society yeah. is right now? Um, but then it kind of cuts off uh, and goes into Albuquerque, which is, like, a nice, peaceful song, and then mm. Lavender Fields, which is almost hymn-like. Um, Lavender Fields was my favourite. I really, really liked it. Yeah. I thought that was beautiful. I, I liked it too, but I wouldn't say it stood out to me as much as... Um, I actually preferred Albuquerque. Yeah, I was going to say Albuquerque um, for me as well. And Carnage was maybe my favourite. Um, okay. I liked Old Time as well. Um, we should we should listen to Lavender Fields though, because it is, it is kind of... Although maybe we should... You know, maybe we should start with a song from the first half and then go to Lavender Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Um, so should we go with Carnage then? Sure. Yeah. Um, it's the title track. People say it's people say it's good, um, and I think it's interesting because, kind of, we spoke about that choir in White Elephant, and there's kind of this quiet choir in the background of Carnage, which doesn't come through yet, and then it really, you know, comes into full force, mm. uh, and it is interesting the way he's kind of constructed the album. So that's why I think it's yeah. good to listen to it in order. Um, so yeah, uh, this is Carnage by Nick Cave and Warren Ellis. To be saying goodbye. And rolling through the mountains like a train My uncle's at the chopping block Turning chickens into fountains I'm a barefoot child Watching in the rain Stepped into this song, taking a bow and stepped right out again. I'm sitting on the balcony, 
Reading Flannery O'Connor with a pencil and a pen. This song is like a rain cloud that keeps circling overhead. And there it comes around again. And it's only love with a little bit of rain. And I hope to see was Carnage. Um, in a bit we'll listen to a song from the second half of the record and you'll see how it kind of builds quite well or maybe builds mm. not the, the best word but you know it, it's structured very intentionally. Yeah. Um, I mean I, fe- I, I sort of felt like Lavender Fields almost almost like the eye of a hurricane, you know what I mean? It's sort of like mm, mm. it sort of builds, 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 builds and then suddenly falls away Right. into this right. sort of really sort of I mean I don't know if harmonic's ever a word to describe Nick Cave but sort of <laughs> It's 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 quite sort of relatively melodious and it's it, yeah, it, it's yeah. it's nice. Um, yeah, it is. it is. No, I think you're right. It, I think you're right. If anything, it, it's a reprieve for people who don't like the rest of the album. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. And I think it'll be a reprieve from. I picked the Nico album because I think there's some interesting points of comparison we'll get to between uh, Nick Cave and her. Um, mm. But um, I think. <laughs> we've been listening to a lot of the same kind of music that could be termed discordant um is what we'll say <laughs> um and, and this is this will be a nice break from both nico and uh, nick Cave. although i liked both um but yeah I, I think you're right that there's this kind of sense of it being the eye of the storm and they're kind of 
the album does occupy this kind of borderline space, I think, of, you know, really intense stuff and then really calm stuff, really absurd stuff, really horrible stuff. Um, mm. And there was this em- emphasis, uh, this kind of recurring motif of the balcony, which came up the whole time. Yes. Um, I mean, I wrote down the lyric because I had heard it a few times. I was like, I need to write down some of these to keep coming up. So sitting on a balcony reading Flannery O'Connor with a pencil and a plan. Um, mm. And there's lots of other ones. There's the final song on the I album. I was going to say it's called Balcony Man, yeah. Um, and I think that's just like the perfect metaphor for, you know, this boundary space of the whole pandemic. You've sort of been allowed to go outside, but not fully. You're not, you know, you can't stay fully inside. You need to go to work, mm. whatever. There's this kind of, you know, not to use an English student word, but it occupies this liminal space. Um, mm. uh, and you know you can see that in the music as well. I think um, yeah. it toes the line between you know apolitical, political, all these different things. I mean, I I also thought of Balcony Man as almost like again. I mean, if you're doing if if anyone's keeping track of the Bob Dylan references, this is now three. But it feels <laughs> like it feels sort of quite sort of recent Bob Dylan, mm. uh. And it's it's also I mean I, I I can't really think of a better way to describe it than sort of poetically feeble towards yeah. the end, yeah. um, and so I got this this image of sort of like you know th- there's this rage in the beginning um, mm. against the state of the world, yeah. and then it sort of peters out into, I mean either sort of just acceptance mm. um, that things are the way they are, or even I think if you were looking at it from a particularly a pessimistic point of view it could almost be death yeah. in that it's sort of yeah it's like literal carnage <laughs> yeah yeah you know the final end point which has been brought that much closer by what's going on mm. um yeah i think i think I the think whole the f- apocalyptic reading fits with a lot of the other stuff mm. he's done as well and i don't know if this is too much into it but the fact it's a fairly short album mm. so eight songs it's only about it's i don't think it's much over half an hour no um no, it's not. So again, that sort of sense of things being artificially shortened, I don't know if he's done that intentionally or not. But yeah, that's all sort of plays into this reading of like things sort of like eventually just sort of petering out. Yeah. Before I mean, it time. is kind of interesting because we haven't really had an artist on that's done in like an interpretation of the pandemic. No, no. no. I mean, we, we did uh, bicep their album Isles, which people tried to read the pandemic into. We kind of decided it wasn't fully, yeah. you know, this is an electronic music album. so This is pretty um, explicit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so and I think that will be more. There'll be more mm. of that to come. I think movies are going to start talking about it a lot. I mean, George, Ooh, we were not, talking a while ago. I'm not ago looking about, forward to that. <laughs> we were talking a while ago about that horrendous Twenty One Pilots song, um, oh, no. the the My Little Quarantine lyric. Oh uh, <laughs> yes. Oh so, no. What was that song called? Whatever. Uh, no, actually, don't it's... worry. Don't look it up. No, don't. don't yeah, Maddie, there's no need. Um, <laughs> it's too late. <laughs> so I think I think there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. Um, and this this doesn't commercialize the the pandemic it doesn't try and profit off it just by the way the song is called can we bleep that out yeah no, <laughs> no, no, we, I, I will bleep that out um so um yeah no no i think i think you're right um but i don't know um i don't know whether kind of it it represents this apocalypse as you say or um mm. yeah a kind of a, a peace he's now feeling i guess um you listeners will have to try and interpret that for yourselves. Um, but I do think kind of the names of the, the last songs, like Balcony Man, I don't know. It, it, to me, it kind of sounds like a sort of peaceful guy, like a sage kind of figure. You know, he's now just sitting back mm. and thinking over what's happened. Um, and Lavender Fields obviously, you know, sounds very peaceful. Um, so, yeah, maybe it's a kind of coming to terms thing. Um, but we should listen to Lavender Fields now um, mm. to kind of represent that second half of the album. Um, this is George's favourite, Lavender Fields. Into the lavender fields 
that reach high beyond the sky. Sometimes I hear my name Oh, where did you go? But the lavender is broad And it's a singular Once I was running with my friends All of them busy but the lavender grows. What happened to this? Sometimes I see a pale bird wheeling in the sky. But that is just a feeling, a feeling when you die. That was Lavender Fields by Nick Cave and Warren Ellis. George, is there anything kind of in particular change about this? You said about Nico, you know, you think maybe a better vocalist could have pulled it off or if maybe she was just a kind of backing vocalist. Um, what what do you think would have worked mm. better in this album? Well, I mean, I don't know. If, if this album I sort of thought was, it felt quite sort of complete. It felt to me like and i don't know whether it's just sort of in my head i've internalized nick cave as almost just like this unquestionable <laughs> infallible musical authority yeah. but all of the things that could be read as deficiencies of this album i almost felt were yeah. intentional whereas with the nico album they felt like you know bugs right. rather than features right. um but again, I, I have no idea if that's grounded in anything other than my own no, perception. No, yeah, but... no, I, I, I mean, that could be the case, but I kind of feel the same. Um, in that, that kind of, in the first song, um, what was it called, uh, Hand of God, like the beginning, you feel like, like it starts and you think, okay, it's going to be a song like this, it immediately changes into something else. Oh, it's going to be a song like this, and then it changes into the third thing and kind of stays like that. Mm -hmm. There's all these different really weird changes. Yeah. And it's almost like... <laughs> 
it's almost like he doesn't want you to know what the entire album's going to be like, so he kind of yeah. leaves you waiting for a bit. And for me, I thought, you know, any other artist, I probably wouldn't would have been like, what are they doing? You know, that, whereas with him, I'm yeah. like, okay, it's an interesting yeah. decision. I, I think even though I didn't like the album as much, it was more thoughtful than Nico's mm. album, which mm. just kind of felt like she was mm. just trying to, you know, instrumental my songs with interesting yeah. lyrics. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, 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 think, I think you're right about that. I, I mean, he has become this kind of you know, really revered figure. People study him at university. Yeah. Um, I, I was looking, actually, our honours modules came out yesterday and there's a module on popular music and he's up there, I believe, alongside, you know, Woody Guthrie, Bob Dylan, mm. the Beatles. as like one of the well, artists be four. I we're studying. Um. <laughs> yeah, no, there we go. Um, but yeah, I, I, they made a movie about him as well uh, a, year, oh, really? a year or two ago, which I think mm. I'll watch. Um, just because people he's, seem to be He's written a book with, as well. He's, he's written two now, I think. Two, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, he's kind of, you know, seen as a really wise figure. He's a bit of a creepy looking guy. So is Warren yeah. Ellis. That was my kind of first impression yeah. of them. I looked up an image and I was like, oh, jeez. <laughs> well, in his first band, uh, The Birthday Party, which is like a punk band, he came to London. Um, he didn't get any real, like, or very few negative or positive reviews. Because apparently British, uh, the British music media thought he was... Um, perhaps like an incarnation of Satan or like a, or some kind of Satanist. Oh, um, they found him like incredibly terrifying and like wouldn't go to his shows. Um, <laughs> which I could completely sympathise with, to be honest. Um, I mean, I was looking at photos of him um, when I kind of searched up Nick Cave, you know, came up from Google Images. I, was, I was thought, oh, you know, I what did he look like when he was younger? I was thinking, because I was like... Like Satan, so yeah. And it's like, he doesn't get... Yeah, no, he's, you know, he wasn't a cute teenager. Was he's, he? never been a, he's never been a barrel <laughs> of laughs, has he? No, no, exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I think it, it gives him this kind of like mystery. Yeah, um, clearly it's is, working for him. Which is interesting because Nico always tried to cultivate like a cult of mystery around her as well. I mean, she told people, everyone, she told, you know, she was born in different places. Um, she told people all these weird stories about her family, some of which kind of, <laughs> I think, didn't paint the right... I mean, she told someone her dad was like a Nazi prison guard, oh, um, yes. which wasn't true. She just told people it to make her more... Just, just to be like you know, funny. Yeah, why wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think both of them have that kind of weird reputation. Um, mm. Especially, I think, that uh, with Nico, the fact that... I can't remember the term, but Andy Warhol had this kind of group of young kind of creative people who he there was a name for them who he kind of wanted to sponsor and saw them as really talented and she was one of them which kind of okay. gave her this mystery was it well. called chelsea girls no i don't think okay. it was I don't, that would have been funny mm -hmm. but um but yeah no um are there any other comparisons you'd make between them george i mean i'd say one that stands out is they both have unusually deep voices yes <laughs> if they made if they collabed i yeah, yeah. <laughs> my ears yeah. hurt i think well you wouldn't be able to tell which was which exactly <laughs> yeah um yeah, no, any other comparisons, George? I'm in... I'm not sure. I feel like it's... Yeah, that sort of low quality. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's the fact that... Yeah, it just feels like Nick Cave has written... I'm actually with Warren Ellis, actually. Has written these instrumentals around the deep voice. Whereas, to me, it feels like with the Nico album... It's sort of like they are very pretty instrumentals, mm. but written for a, even, not even a sort of quote unquote better voice, but even a higher a, voice. A, a different voice. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, things like sort of winter song. Um, I thought you know, a sort of like a sort of like a light, sort of airy voice would have carried that beautifully. Um, mm. So I don't. Know, I feel like it's it's the. It feels like. The Nick Cave album is far better written, far better shaped around sort of like almost like the tools at hand. Um, well, I will say, um, I will say in Nico's defense, and I, I think I agree with you that um, she felt really disappointed by the album afterwards because not that she didn't think it was good, but she did think it could have been better herself. She said um, the production company kind of wanted it, and Andy Warhol himself wanted the album to be something different to what she wanted it to be. Mm. So she wanted it to be kind of less poppy, which may have fit your kind of model for it. Um, yeah. uh, she like I think there's flute used in some of the songs, but she said yeah, she hated. I, she, she I, she, I really liked the flute actually. She mm -hmm. said she felt sick listening to it because oh, of the geez. flute. Um, 
you know, there were there were songs where she wanted um, strings in the background. They, they wouldn't let her have strings. There were songs where she didn't want strings. They, you know, um, and she she said, you know, she thought it was a great album. She was happy with it, but she she really feels like it. She wanted it to be something other than it was. Um, I mean, to sort of bring it back to the sexism point, do you think she would have been more listened to, and had her wishes respected more had she been a man? Totally. Yeah. I th- I think I think maybe a lot of people just saw her as kind of a, a pretty face they could release an album with um, yeah. and, and, and get money from. And I, Certainly Andy Warhol didn't feel like that. He did think she was talented, but I'm sure you know he was a big personality who was definitely seen as more talented than her and he will have been, his creative ideas for the album will have been listened to more than hers. Yeah, they will have superseded hers. Certainly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think you're right about that. Um, I do also think she was criticised a lot for her drug use, even though that was kind of a norm back then. She did... And it, it was it's quite druggy. because the yeah. men don't get criticised for exactly, that Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, but I will say, um, no matter what you say about the music, uh, which I think is pretty on the album, um, it's mainly just her voice, which is a barrier. Um, the lyrics are, are beautiful in both of the two albums we've looked at. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was wondering, am I right in saying, George, that you, you probably value the lyrics more than music, uh, more yes. than the instrumentation? I would I would definitely say that, yes. Because mm. I'd say I'm in the same camp, but we had Liv on last time and mm-hmm. she was saying, you know, uh, she doesn't listen to them as much and kind of when they include sort of quote-unquote poetry in songs, um, she finds it hard to get into. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, Maddie. Yeah. I mean, she was saying she's like, she's here for the music, not for like inter- having to interpret it, yeah. the music. Yeah. But yeah, no, I think you can certainly compare them in those two ways um mm. people would say nick cave's lyrics are better um i can't claim to be one to judge um in his best songs i would say you know it stands out um mm. but he has had you know a lot more albums put out um and yeah. i'm sure there's a lot of dross in there whereas nico <laughs> never put out that much uh we do normally ask at this point um if you have an opinion on which album you preferred um so yeah yeah, sorry guys, I'm, af- I'm afraid I'm going to have to give this one <gasps> no. to the Guardian. That's all, that's all right. Yeah. I think, look, we're, we're a lot ahead at the moment. We were worried it was going to be an embarrassing, you know, absolute thrashing on our <laughs> behalf. Um, and it wouldn't be a very interesting show if it was, you know, 10-1 at the end or something. So uh, that's good. No, I'm sure this I'm sure this means I won't be invited <laughs> back, but I, I, I'm sorry. No, 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 um, it's, it's fine. I, I, I can appreciate, you know, you've given good reasons for it. Did we, have we done something to our guests to make them... Yeah, it's two weeks in a row now. <laughs> we've, we've lost. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. um, but I do think... I said this at the beginning. I think The Guardian... I, I don't know why, but it does seem they've stepped it up. I've enjoyed they the know. last two albums more than... I, th- I think they, they do. They, they know. They know. They must. <laughs> they know. Um, but I'm worried if this carries on. Yeah, I think they do have, like, just enough weeks to catch up. Um, I, I oh, think now the pandemic's sort of... kind of resolving a bit more more artists are releasing music i think that's true and maybe we're just all, all the pandemic albums are kind of coming out yeah now. um but yeah um and also do you have an album you'd want to recommend george i feel bad i always spring this on people but um do you have an album <laughs> oh, that comes blimey. to mind to recommend um oh i mean I, I i'm afraid in the absence of having prepared anything i'll have to go back to a classic um and quite frankly I don't know if you would have spoken about it before, but The National's Sleep Well Beast is one mm. that you... Ab- if you like Nick Cave and you like the sort of stuff that's been mentioned, um, yeah, Sleep Well Beast by The National, you absolutely cannot go wrong. I think that's a brilliant recommendation. I'm a big fan of that. And Maddie, I don't think you've heard I'm, it. I'm not familiar, um, so... But we spoke about that at the beginning of the year as a possible album to mm, do on the okay, show. Yeah. Um, we never got okay. around to it, but yeah, that's a great recommendation. I, I thought you were going to mention Bob Dylan again. <laughs> that's a, that's and a, that's five. That's five, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so we're going to have to close up there now. Um, George, thanks for coming on so much. You're brilliant. No, thanks for having despite, me. Despite, you know... Fucking us <laughs> over. Um, <laughs> but uh, thanks to everyone for listening as well. You were... Um, also brilliant. This has been Channel Orange listening to Chelsea Girl by Nico and Carnage by Nick Cave. If you enjoyed Nico's album, do recommend listening to, through the Velvet Underground's album, the Velvet Underground Nico. Um, it kind of, you know, does what we said she may be better at, which is supporting on an album. Um, the score is now 7-3. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to pull it back next week. Um, we normally do beat them, but they seem to be on a streak right now, uh, which is concerning. Um, to keep up on our episodes or to get in touch just follow our Instagram at Channel Orange Radio and all our episodes are available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts